Hi, friends. This is episode 79 of the Bible Lab Podcast. You are listening to the Bible Lab Podcast, recorded before a very lively audience on the campus of Loma Linda University. Here's your host, Roy Ice. Hi, everybody. I've been enjoying going through this book of Ephesians with you in this series, God's Blueprint, and welcome to this session. It's going to be a very good session for you to listen to. I don't care which side of the aisle you stand on when it comes to what is the authority of women? Where, where do women stand as far as an authority over men? And what does it mean when the Bible says, wives, submit to your husbands? I have wondered about that a lot, and perhaps you have too. So we're going to have a whole lot of fun looking at what does the original Greek say, and what is the context, and what is it that God is calling us to. And don't worry, husbands, we're going to talk about you too, and what God's called you to do in your relationships. Who has God called who to submit to whom? And we are going to take a look at that. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt you're going to be moved. This is going to change your life. So thank you so much for joining us. Before we go any farther, I want to make sure that you know that there is a study guide that goes with this. So if you go to thebiblelab.com and the first thing that you go to is God's Blueprint in the episode section. Go down to session 10 and get that study guide because you'll want it as we go through this. You're going to be absolutely changed by this conversation. Welcome to the Bible Lab. Good, here we go. Number one, I am a submissive person. I am a submissive person. I am, okay. I, we are all over the place, and Sharon even has yes and no raised. That's awesome. But I am seeing if, if my numbers are, are accurate, I saw about 40% yes, 40% no, and about 20% maybe. And several people raised both yes and no. And I know what you're saying. Well, it depends who I'm submitting to. Is it the jerk at work who thinks he's my boss but has no idea what's going on in the office? Or... Is it my husband? Of course, I submit to my husband. Number two, I'm going to move on before we get in trouble. Number two says the true roles of men and women have become confused and are beyond repair. The true roles of men and women have become confused and beyond repair. Wow, we, I did not expect this. We are all over the place. Uh, it looks like we have about 30% uh, maybe 25% maybes, and then yes and no are equally split. Uh, maybe a little bit more no. Uh, yeah, it's leaning a little bit more no. Okay, we're going to talk about this today because there's a lot of conversation uh, about this today, both within church and outside of church, whether it's religious conversations or not, about uh, understanding, honoring, respecting gender roles, uh, etc. I find uh, a lot of times in my counseling and my, and my coaching right now, I'm having a lot of people who are talking to me specifically about their identity. And a lot of times they're using their gender or gender preference as identity. And it's opened up a real great conversation for me to talk about what is your true identity and what's your role. Because if your identity and role is only based on your gender or your desired gender, uh, your focus is gonna be on your gender. But if your identity and your focus is on your God-given purpose, it changes everything. Because it doesn't matter whether you're a man or a woman. And it doesn't matter where anything you can do, I can do better. No, you can't. Yes, I can. No, I can't. Yes, I can. It doesn't matter. Because it's not about your gender, it's about your purpose. And so we're going to talk today a little bit about that, if you want to. Once again, you're in charge of the conversation. You've got the comments, I've got the reaction. Number three, as a Christian, a wife is to submit to the authority of her husband as the head of the household. Okay, everyone look carefully at what your spouse is saying. <laughs> I've seen more people look to the side than I've ever seen in the entire five years of the Bible lab. Keep your cards up, please keep your cards up because this is... Uh, uh, 
Oh, this is going to be horrible lunch conversation today. I'm so sorry, guys. I didn't mean for this to happen, but it looks like a 33% split all the way, three ways, yes, no, and maybe. And I'm actually glad because anytime we're that split on a response to one of these statements, those are the areas we have the most growth. When you look at scripture and ask the question, what is the, what is the language, the culture, and the context? Open up so you understand a text that perhaps some of you ladies have really been beat up with this text. And some of you have been really beat down. And some of you husbands have been confused about it. And some of you unmarried people are saying, well, are there some verses we can just jump over and talk about the other loving text? And the nice thing about having a series, we always do series, and we like to go through large sections of Scripture. The nice thing about doing series is you can't just cherry-pick the little topics that you want to talk about and ignore the ones you don't want to because you have to talk about it. And especially in these areas where there are questions of God's command and whether it's just or loving or how does it come across to some people and, and not to other people, these are the areas where we have the greatest epiphanies when you see what the language, the culture, and the context actually say when you're being responsible with Scripture. And so we're going to have some r real fun with the conversation today. Number four, the Bible does not ask husbands to submit to their wives. Uh, now I'm seeing the wives look at their husbands as they shakily raise up a no card. <laughs> I'm seeing some yeses. I'm seeing about 25% yeses. I'm seeing, it looks like about 60% noes, and so I guess we'd have about 15% maybes there as well. Some of you, I imagine, raised a no card because you know, well, we should treat each other equal, or some of you are saying it because you have a very real uh, foundational belief behind the fact that um, the Bible does also ask men to submit to their wives. And we're going to talk about that today because many people just take Ephesians 5, verse, 20, uh, for verse 22, and they only talk about verse 22. And they talk about it even in context outside of the marriage relationship. They, they talk about it in leadership and administrative positions that a woman should not be over a man because... The Bible says, wives submit to your husband. Well, we're not talking about wives and husbands. So we're going to talk about that today as well to see what the whole of Scripture says as far as who should submit to whom. What is the natural chain of command in God's kingdom? And number five, this section of Scripture shows God's will that women are not idealistically supposed to have authority or headship over men. All right, so I'm seeing a majority of no, uh, and that majority looks to be about 90% no, and I'm seeing, uh, boy, it looks like maybe 7% yes and 3% maybe. This is, this is the, the, the tough part of the conversation today, but can I tell you, I'm so excited to go through this conversation today. When everything was done Tuesday and, and I was ready to, to have all these questions brought up and, and asked and I had done my research, I'm so excited to have this conversation today. And so let's dive in to this section of scripture. We're going to read together Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21 through 33. I'm going to read it in the New Living Translation. You're more than welcome to read it any translation. And if you'd like, just follow along on the study guide as well. Verse 21 starts out, And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. Can I hear an amen? Okay, sorry, men. You're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to, say, supposed to say, go on, pastor, go on. There's more. There's more. Verse 25. For husbands. All right, wives, get ready to say amen. For husbands, 
This means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. All right, so let's take a look at this. First of all, let's start at the top. It starts out, verse 21, with the phrase, and further which tells you something very significant. He's been talking about something. So what has he been talking about before in verses, let's just say, maybe 18 through 20? It's okay to cheat. You can open up God's word. Remember, dust on your Bible leaves to dirt in your life. So (laughs) take a look. What's it say, verses 18 through 20? What's it talking about? What were we just talking about last week that you just couldn't possibly forget? The Holy Spirit? Oh, so the Holy Spirit comes in, and when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, he unlocks four doorways. Remember that? The first doorway that he opens opens up, and it just produces in you, is you sing songs of praise to one another. Sing hymns and songs about God's glorious love and mercy. So you sing praise songs to each other, to other believers. And the second doorway the Holy Spirit opens up is you sing songs vertically up to God, and you're praising God, singing directly to Him. Then the third thing it opens up, third door it opens up, actually helps you with your physical health as well. It's thankfulness. It makes you so thankful for everything. And then it opens up a fourth door, and that's what verse 21 starts with. It says, and further, there's one more door it opens up. It makes you humble and submissive to one another. That's why he says in verse 21, and further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So these four doors are opened up. Praise songs to each other, praise songs to God, thankfulness, and submitting to one another. So, this is obviously this continuation. So let's ask the next question. (laughs) Submit to one another. So Paul attributes this behavior to submission to the work of the Holy Spirit. Who do you interpret the one another to mean in this verse? What's the Holy Spirit leading you to do? Raise your comment card, your question card, and if someone says something you really appreciate, make sure you raise that love it card to let them know you appreciate what they've said. I've got one comment over here. So if I get a microphone right here to the middle. Awesome. We'll start right here. Thank you. Purple mic. Okay, it talks about submitting one to another, and I know that this verse has been used and misused and yeah. abused, but I don't think our spouses need to fear if we're God-fearing husbands. And that's where the problem comes in. Okay. In any one home cannot be two heads. It's not going to work. In any one company cannot be two heads. Yeah. One is the CEO, the other one is the vice president, whatever Mm -hmm. title he has. Mm -hmm. And uh, if, like I said, if we loved our spouses as much or half as much as Christ loves the church, then the women have nothing to fear. So this this word submissive, I know sometimes it 
may seem to be a, a four-letter word or a, or mm -hmm. a very dirty word. Yeah. Uh, you know, especially to the outside people. Why, well, you know, you're Christians. You're. Why should I submit? You know, yeah. I. You know, I'm the CEO of the company. I'm this. You may be. Yeah. But in the household, that's what Christ says. Christ mm. is in charge of the church. The church doesn't say I'm going to be above Christ. And like I said, the, the, the key word in this is love. I love that. You're, once again, you're a man ahead of your time. You're about 10 minutes ahead of your time. So <laughs> stay submissive. Um, but that's what we have to define. Because we have two different commands here. One is wives submit to your husbands. Husbands love your wives. And so we're going to talk about what is the difference. Why did... God inspire Paul to write in these two different modalities, these different perspectives, and what does it mean? Because you are correct. If a man is a godly man, uh, the, the, the wife will be more than happy to follow that leadership, okay? And we're going to talk about submission in, in a moment. I'm going to break open the words for you because it's a compound word here that might even help you understand this, this is not authoritarian submission to where you're submitting just because someone has authority over you. It's submission for a purpose and submission, submission that accomplishes something. And verse 20 says, or, or excuse me, verse 21 says, we all have to submit to each other in some way. So let's talk about that in a moment. Over here, red microphone. Yeah, Julie. <coughs> So I, I say this with caution, I think, but I was blessed to be raised by like really God-fearing grandparents who um, were pretty traditional, yeah. you know, farmers, whatever. And, and I think if you would have looked at them, you would have thought that they were like totally patriarchal, like my grandfather decided and, you know, but actually I feel like they had like this beautiful level of consensus. Yeah where it wasn't like, I'm the head of the household and I will decide we're getting you know, this car or whatever decision had to be made. Yeah. But like, they came together and my grandmother had a voice and like, they talked about it and they came to a conclusion and there was love. Yeah. Like, I don't, everything I think I know about love, I learned from them. Yeah. And in, in everything that we did as a family with them, like there was that consensus and it was beautiful. And I yeah. think, when you talk about submission, we like misinterpret the word yeah. that, you know, it'll be you telling me what to do and nobody wants that. And no arguments. Yeah. And no arguments. <laughs> but like that's, so you're looking at one person like having a lot of growing resentment and that's not okay. But if we think of submission as like, I want to listen to what you say and you can listen to what I say yeah. and we come to consensus, like even in my work right now, mm -hmm. um, we don't vote anymore. Like, we just had to pick a textbook for, you know, all of Riverside Unified School. That's a huge thing, right? Wow. Millions of dollars. Yeah. And we did not vote. We talked in that room until we came to a consensus. Hmm. And you know what? It felt amazing. Yeah. Because the last time, 15 years ago, we picked a textbook. It was a fight, and we oh, yeah. voted, and people left angry and refused to ever use it. Yeah. It was not okay. Yeah. So, I, I love that, Julie, because that's a, a beautiful picture of ultimately what we're going to find in, in the scripture here. Uh, if it was not for my wife, I, and I wish she was here, she's teaching another Sabbath school today, but if it was not for my wife, you guys don't realize what an idiot I am. Um, <laughs> she really helps so much in her way of saying, hey, well, have you thought of this? Or have you considered that? Or, hey, we really need to do something here or there. And if it wasn't for my wife's input, I, I would not e even close um, be who I am as far as accomplishing meaningful things in, in life. So you're right, it's this consensus that, that comes together. Okay, I think it was Randy and then here, yeah. I totally second what Julie said in that this submission is not imposed on us, it's us purposefully declining our individualism. Unfortunately, here in America, everything is so for the individual, and the 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 rest of the group is uh, subordinate to that. And what this is is this submission. Mm -hmm. I, I look at the word submission, and we become subordinate mm -hmm. 
to the mission. Yes. And as Christians, our mission is to glorify God and 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 raise Him up. Yeah. And so if, if we think of it that way, it, it's 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 our choice. It's mm-hmm. not something that some somebody imposed on us. Yes. In that way, it's actually a, a very nice thing to have. Absolutely. I love that. We're sub to the mission. Uh, that's what submission is. Now, what you'd be curious to know is if you were reading this in Greek, in the original language that it was written in, in verse 21, when it says right there, and further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, the word submit is in verse 21. The word submit is not in verse 22. And what's in verse 22? For wives, this means submit to your husbands. Now, this isn't a bad interpretation or translation to put the word submit in verse 22. In Greek, if the verb was understood, this is what we're talking about. This is the action. This is the verb. That's the main verb of the conversation. You don't have to repeat it. So what it actually says, if you were to translate it uh, word for word, it says, for wives, your husbands. So what that meant in syntax is the conversation is about all of us submitting to one another. And then to get down to granular detail, so what does it mean for you? And what does it mean for you? And what's it mean for you back there? Talking about circumstantial interpretation. So if your circumstance is that you happen to be a wife, what does this mean for you? So we've started out verse 21 by saying, everyone submit to everyone. And just like what Randy said, uh, the word actually has more to do with mission than anything else. If you look at your study guide, it says submitting, the Greek word is hupotasso. The simple verb tasso was used in classical Greek in a military meaning to draw up in order of battle, to form, array, or marshal both troops or ships. It speaks of soldiers marshaled in military order under a commanding officer. Thus, it speaks of the subjection of one individual under or to another, which tells us, first of all, he uses this word, hupotasso, in verse 21, which says all of us need to marshal ourselves together. You need to understand something. Unless we all get together on this, we're not going to accomplish our mission. And the best way for us to submit, to marshal our troops under one voice, one vision, is to submit to each other. So what's it mean for you wives? So that's why in verse 22 it says, for wives, your husbands. It means, so wives, how do you marshal together, not as individuals, but as all wives in our community in Ephesus? How do you marshal together so that the people outside the walls of the church realize your life is so much better when you're inside the walls? At this time, you need to understand what was going on sociologically. Ephesus was a very progressive modern city. But you're going to see on the backside of the study guide the challenges they still face. Much like today, we have certain causes that will come up from time to time, and it usually starts with a very small group of people giving voice to an issue of upholding the dignity of people during the civil rights movement in the 60s. It was not the majority of the United States that were standing for the rights of people of color. It was a smaller group. And just like in those days when a smaller group said, you know, we need to uphold the dignity of these people who are being treated in in ways that do not reflect common decency or the love of God, that group started growing louder and larger in voice and in volume until the world had to pay notice. At the time of this writing, there was just the beginning whispers of a wife's rights movement. A wife's rights movement. We need to treat wives better. I'm going to get to that in a moment when we get to some verses coming up, and you'll see on the backs of the page. But Paul is saying, 
if we marshal our troops together, submitting to one another, the people of our community will look and see us as people who are in front of these progressive movements to uphold the dignity of people who are being downtrodden. And so it's shameful that a verse that was written with the intent of lifting up the value and dignity of wives has, has been used for generations to subject them to more unreasonable authoritarianism. But as you look at this, you will see what Paul is asking for is a revolution within the church of both Greek and Gentile, uh, excuse me, Greek and Jew, Jew and Gentile, in order to be, and it's mentioned by Paul and also Peter and Titus elsewhere in the New Testament writings, that when people look at us, they need to be impressed by what the character of God does in our lives to make us part of these groups that uphold the dignity of all people. And so please keep that in mind that what Paul is now digging into is, okay, I made a blanket statement, now let's talk about how does that play out in your different lives. And I think the green microphone was next. What's your comment? Yes, as wives and husbands, we love each other deeply. Yes. And I, I just, it occurred to me when it says submit, the wives and husbands each have particular areas of expertise. Yeah. And if we, if we don't try to, if a wife has a better suggestion than we do, that, and, and she knows what she's talking about particularly, go with that and then go and go uh, otherwise too. And the idea that I th it, it's team, teamwork is the most yeah. critical thing here. And yeah. we can keep that in thing. And, um, and it's particularly yeah. when it comes into raising children, we need to be a team when we raise our kids. Absolutely, absolutely. I've seen it split families just by that one topic alone. Red mic, yeah, bravo. I'd like to follow up a little bit on what you just said about cool. submitting. Yeah. Um, and we need to put this in the context of um, what Jesus did to women. Yeah. And he, um, he brought a new vision on how to, to treat uh, women, wives or children yeah. uh, or younger. And the early Christians in Corinth, in uh, Athens, in Ephesus, were, um, they, they knew this, that Jesus was bringing a new, a new vision on how to bring more honor and, 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 and dignity to, to women. So in some places, historians tell, tell us that some uh, women in church felt empowered mm -hmm. to perhaps start a, a, you know, some, somehow a revolution, just like uh, Jesus' uh, disciples wanted to take up arms and, and, and dethrone the Romans. And Jesus said, no, no, that's not my style. Yeah. I want a peaceful, silent revolution. Yeah. And Paul here is with the same strategy. Yeah. He does not want the Christian church to revolutionize society in a way that the Romans would come on them and, and kill them. Yeah. Paul wants a more peaceful, silent revolution, the, the, the type that uh, is also exemplified in, uh, in the letter to Philemon, yeah. in which he says, take up take the, uh, the, your uh, slave back, which we read and say, what? Yes, and historians agree that that was the, end, the beginning of the end of slavery in the Christian world. Yeah. So when we, sometimes we interpret these things are, as, what is Paul saying? Well, he's actually starting a peaceful, silent revolution, yeah, asking right. one thing, which is the motive of the Bible lab, yeah. love. Yeah. Love is the easiest thing we talk about, but often is the most difficult thing to practice. And that's is. what Paul is asking husbands. Yeah. He's going counter-cultural, completely. And I imagine the readers saying, what? Us? Husbands? Loving? Oh, come on, Paul. You know, this is really revolutionary. It, it really Love is. Love is always revolutionary. And we're going to dig into that 
in, in, in a moment. This, this last week, um, another church, several churches started the, uh, the 12 People You Love uh, discipleship uh, journey. And uh, so I always, you know, check in on the churches and, and we have conversations and stuff. So when I'm doing a little research before I'm going to have a conversation with this church, the funniest thing is on their church website, one of the things that they said is the reason why they love the church is um, their pastor doesn't, uh, they had like these reviews and the review says the pastor doesn't preach the frou-frou love sermons like you hear elsewhere. And I'm like, wow, um, we'll see how, we'll see how the 12 people you love goes over there because people treated as frou-frou frosting coated we're just sugar coated love 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 when you really dig into what does it mean to love people and to love the unlovable which christ called us to do it's the hardest thing you'll ever do in your life there's nothing frou-frou about it um there's frou-frou about pretending to love people but once you stop pretending and you actually follow the command it we're going to see a revolution when it talks about the men, because I'm just going to give you a little preview. When it gets to the, and what does this mean for your husbands? You're right, it was a revolution to where many people would have heard it. And the commentators, uh, one of them that I read said, this would have come across to the husbands as a bare knuckle punch to the jaw. And we're going to see why in a moment. Uh, purple Mike, and then we'll... I'd like to go back to creation week when God created Adam and Eve. Yeah. And we find equality that was there when Eve was created. She was taken from the rib of Adam, yeah. which means that she was created really equal, mm -hmm. not beneath him or above him, yeah. but actually as equal. Mm -hmm. So we find equality back in the Garden of Eden there that I see. Yeah. Yeah. Also, yeah. when we think of our of our church, a founder, one of them was Ellen G. White. Uh, she certainly took a leading role in getting out and doing things. Sometimes she had to even rebuke her own husband. We mm -hmm. find at times, you know, and caution him and counsel him what was. So, I mean, sometimes I think there are instances where God has given a woman the authority, like he did Ellen White, mm -hmm. to guide. So I, I'm just showing out here. I'm not yeah. trying to go against what the Bible is saying of Paul, right, but right. there are times too I think we have to be careful because if a wife submits her husband and he is not a Christian, what do we do about that? Mm, that's an ultimate I question. mean, this could, this could be a real problem sometimes. Absolutely. God, or do we follow man? That's a good question. Now, did you say Ellen White or Alan White? Ellen G. It's White. Ellen? It's not Alan? I thought it was, it's a woman? Ellen G. White. I, I can't listen to her words then. I thought it was Alan. <laughs> Sorry, guest, I'm a little sarcastic. Blue mic, and, and then we'll continue. Yeah. My wife is sick today. My home is falling apart. I'm sorry. <laughs> so. My heart goes out to you because you have no idea how my home would fall apart too. Yeah. You know, my children is in a good school. I'm healthy. Everything is okay because of my wife. Yeah. I can run a clinic, but I cannot run my home. Yeah. I'm glad that God created Eve. Otherwise, that Garden of Eve, I mean, Garden of Eden will be a mess. Oh, absolutely. So I appreciate yeah. my wife very much. She's yeah. like a co-pilot. Yeah. I can drive, but I cannot see my blind spot. Yeah. Without my wife, I crash my car all the time. Yeah, yeah. So I say, I don't care what people think and what the theology says. I appreciate my wife very, very much. Uh, me too. I think that's, that's why most, if not, yeah. About the driving, uh, don't you realize um, the default setting for GPS is a woman's voice. Um, <laughs> so I, I don't know if you noticed that. <laughs> when, I, when I'm driving, I got two women telling me where to go. <laughs> Don't tell my wife I said that. <laughs> All right, <laughs> let's move on. I'm tearing up. If we look at the historic conditions, the context in which Paul is writing this, I think, I think it'll help you understand this a little bit more. Uh, William Barclay is a, a great theologian, a historic theologian who wrote about this topic. I'm gonna read uh, portions of what he wrote on this. He says, the Jews had a low view of women in the Jewish form of morning prayer, 
There was a sentence in which a Jewish man every morning gave thanks that God had not made him, quote, a Gentile, a Jewish man, uh, excuse me, a, a Gentile, a slave, or a woman. In Jewish law, a woman was not a person, but a thing. She had no legal rights whatsoever. She was absolutely in her husband's possession to do with as he willed. The position was worse in the Greek world. The whole Greek way of life made companionship between man and wife next to impossible. The Greek expected his wife to run his home, to care for his legitimate children, but he found his pleasure in his companionship elsewhere. In Greece, home and family life were near to being extinct, and fidelity was completely non-existent. In Rome, in Paul's day, the matter was still worse. The degeneracy of Rome was tragic. It is not too much to say that the whole atmosphere of the ancient world was adulterous. The marriage bond was on the way to complete breakdown. For sake of time, I, I'm going to not pause for a question here, but just help you understand. If you were a wife during that time, just imagine what your life would be like. You have all these responsibilities. Like we've mentioned before, our, our houses would fall apart if it wasn't for that nurturing care of wives in, in the home. You're in charge of legitimate children, but your husband is running off with his side hustles. That's where he finds his passion, his all romance is going elsewhere. You have a job, but you're not living the dream marriage of romance and love and honey, your home. That's your life. And it's into this context that Paul makes sure to spend the bulk of his time not speaking about wives. He spends the bulk of his time here opening up, so husbands, what does it mean in this context of where we live? What does it mean to actually love your wife? Because you're running around, acting like you don't care. You're demanding all these things in your house, treating your wife like property. She can't argue. What does it mean for you as a husband? And I want you to look at verse 25. It's, Paul says, for husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. I'm going to give you a little historical background here as well. When you look at some of the writers, the historical writers in those times and those that wrote about those times, uh, we have several examples here. Demosthenes said, we have courtesans for the sake of pleasure. We have concubines for the sake of daily cohabitation. And we have, and we have wives for, for the purpose of having children legitimately and having a faithful guardian for all of our household affairs. Xenophon said it was the husband's aim that a wife might see as little as possible, hear as little as possible, and ask as little as possible. Similarly, Socrates said, is there anyone to whom you entrust more serious matters than your wife? And is there anyone to whom you talk less? The ancient pagan man breathed adultery. The marriage bond was virtually meaningless. It was better with the Jews, of course, except for the ultra-liberal and very popular school of Hillel, which allowed a man to divorce his wife for virtually anything like putting too much salt in his food or becoming less attractive in his eyes. Now, I don't know how life is going for you, but I don't think I'm becoming more attractive to my wife every day in her eyes, and it's just a matter of gravity that makes us look less attractive <laughs> over time. But I want you to hear something, because when we read and husbands love your wives. We see the next phrase, and we're going to understand that as Christ loved the church, we understand there's a higher standard there. But there were four words, uh, four basic words for love in the Greek language, and we understand there's phileo, ergo, stergo. Did you know in this verse it says, for husbands this means 
agape your wives. We talked about agape a few weeks ago, didn't we? Agape is not something that is only attainable by God. This word existed before. Agape doesn't mean it's simply heavenly love that, well, God can do it because God is more loving than me. And I can try, but I can't truly agape. That's not what agape is. Remember, agape was when you saw a person or a thing that welled up within you so much passion and, and, and so much devotion they welded up in your heart so much that you would do anything even self-sacrificially. You would sacrifice yourself for the love of this person that was brought about just by when you saw them. It was just this agape just welled up within you. And Paul is punching these men in the jaw saying, agape your wives. When you look at your wife, don't see a servant who's taking care of the affairs of your house. Look at her as one who wells up your deepest levels of love and passion to the level that you would sacrifice yourself for her. And just to make sure that the people didn't misunderstand him in Ephesus, Paul goes into detail in explaining Christ's self-sacrifice and what he did to make sure that that woman was brought up to the highest level of dignity. The highest level of dignity. So, when you look at this, and on the study guide, you can see other places where God exemplifies this level of love. I want to ask you, once again, Paul asked Christians to imitate God, which is a new concept, imitate God, remember? Here he says, husbands must love their wives just as Christ loved the church. So how did or does Christ love the church? Let's talk about the character of God. Let's give husbands a break for a second. You can relax, men. And let's just discuss how did God and how does God love the church? Raise a comment card or a question card, and we will get a microphone right to you. Okay, question down here. All right, so we'll get a purple mic right down here to this question. Yes, sir. Uh, the question I have, why does Apostle Paul say to the women, love your husbands. But to the women, he doesn't say love your husbands. He says, okay. respect your husband. Yeah. What's harder to do? Can we talk about that? Because that's also the next question on your study guide, I believe. I'm not looking at it right now. But what's, what's the difference? What's the difference between submitting and loving? And which one's more difficult and which one costs more? Over here, Terry. Whenever I, I read this, I always think of uh, Philippians 2. Yes. And it talks about Jesus who was God, and he didn't think it was a problem to be God, but he divested himself of everything. Yes. He became obedient, submitted himself even to the death on the cross. And yes. so that's a pretty high uh, challenge for men in their It is wives. Philippians 2, and I believe it's around verse 12 where it says he emptied himself, is, is how some translators take that word and, and try to express what does it truly mean that Christ submitted. And it, the word, the, the verb there means he emptied himself, which you use the word divested. He completely made everything else more important than him. Exactly. Uh, is, no, I thought I saw Mike back there. Yes, so what's the difference between submitting and loving? What's the difference? You can shout it out. Just shout out your thoughts. There's a big difference. Loving is a taller order, Randy says. What did you say? It's, it's the difference of night and day. Okay, so get out your yes, no, and maybe cards. I'm going to ask you something off, off script here. In this text, yes, no, or maybe, in verses 21 through 33, wives are asked to submit to their husbands more than men are to submit to their wives. Okay, yes, no, or maybe. Okay, so I see we're all over the place, which I already have this in mind, don't worry. Clarification. 
men are asked to submit to their wives in this verse more than wives are asked to submit to their husbands. Yes, nor maybe. Okay, so both times I'm seeing, I'm seeing a lot of no's, a majority of no's. I'm seeing a lot of yes and maybes. Let me ask it this way. Husbands and wives are asked to submit exactly the same to each other in these verses. I'm seeing a majority of yeses now. Okay, so let me ask it this way. I'm not fishing for the right answer. I'm just letting you process this. Submission costs more than love. Yes, no, or maybe. Submission costs more than love. Okay. We're still kind of all over the place, but I'm seeing a slight majority of yes. Let me ask this. In order to submit, you have to love. Yes, no, or maybe. In order to submit, you have to love. You can change your vote, Carolyn. Okay. I would argue, and of course it would be an argument for quite some time that we don't have, I would argue that you don't have to love in order to submit. I respect people who have never earned it. I've allowed myself to be under the authority of people who make no sense. I do not love them. I don't necessarily respect them, but I have submitted to them. And I imagine those of you who have been out in the, in the workplace, you've had to do the same thing. Bosses that make no sense, policies that are idiotic. What are they thinking? And yet you submitted. And it did not require an ounce of godly love to do that. But I don't think you can love and not submit. I think you, you can submit and not love. I don't think you can love and not submit. And we are out of time for this topic. And so I imagine all the husbands and wives will have a great lunch conversation today. But wives, I want you to hear this. Jesus always inspires more love. Isn't it great to see in a verse that the world will take in, in our authoritarian desires, even though we take a verse to try to push people down and remind them of their place, isn't it great to see even in these places when you allow God to speak for himself? This is not a demeaning text. This is a text that pumps more love into your life. Because the challenge that wives were facing at this day was that their husbands were not loving them. And the husbands were not submitting one to the other in the marriage relationship. The husbands were not acting like you mentioned, the Genesis 2 account of the creation of Eve and how the two became one flesh. Paul calls it here a mystery we still don't understand how these two become one flesh. And then, and then he goes even deeper and says, just like Christ brought us all together and made us into one body. He's the head, we're the body in the same way. Husbands, look at your relationship as saying, my wife and I are one body. The two have become one flesh. I can't abuse my body and love my body at the same time is what Paul said. In the same way, you can't abuse your authority and abuse your spouse and expect them in some way to look at you and say, you're not hurting me and you're not hurting us. Isn't it reassuring that you can go to even scripture where people have used incorrectly and you can't walk away with anything less than, wow, is God's greatest desire that we understand love more? It's, it's just beautiful. When you look at this text and God tells you husbands, and some of you, it's, it's still a little bit of a punch to us today. When God says, you need to take a look at your wife and agape her. Because in the same way that Christ loves this very messed up church, it doesn't matter how messed up your relationship, God says you're one body. And I need you to show the rest of the world the difference it makes when you invite God in 
and you submit to one another and the love is germinated that the rest of the world looks and sees how in the world are you as a body of believers having the best relationships in the world the model relationship it only comes from understanding that God's greatest desire for you is not to be perfect. His greatest desire for you is to be present in his love, to experience his love, and to project his love in every relationship that you have. And when you do, I guarantee it's not just your spouse who will submit to you. There will be neighbors and, and friends and coworkers and f distant family members who will come to you and say, tell me, what's the secret? And they won't believe you when you tell them God's the secret because God is the source of agape. And if we as a people group continue to challenge ourselves, not just with husbands, not just with, with wives, but with every single person God allows us to come into contact with here in our community and to agape them, to find the preciousness in them, to surround them with the love, to submit ourselves to looking foolish when we have to get to know new people, just to let them know we agape them. That's the moment. That's the moment when God's body will truly be one with the head, which is Christ, whose greatest desire is we express his character of love. Wow, that was quite a significant conversation that we had. It, it changed my life, and I, I hope it did yours as well. I hope that God will just completely bathe you with his Holy Spirit to help you truly love to agape your community and all the people that God has put in your life. Now our next episode is the grand finale of this series, God's Blueprints. It is session 11 of God's Blueprints and we're going to be talking all about the armor of God. It was an amazing conversation. You don't want to miss it. So please come back for our next conversation. We'll see you then. Thank you for listening to the Bible Lab podcast. If you're planning a trip to Southern California, make sure to reserve your VIP seats in the Bible Lab by emailing us at info at thebiblelab.com. Programs are recorded each Saturday at 10.30 a.m. We hope to see you soon. Until then, we wish you God's richest blessings as you continue to research and develop the character of God.